Hey y'all, hey y'all, hey y'all, hey y'all, hey, what's up? Um, this is another episode of The Full Set. I am Didi Delgado, your host ex with the most ex, and I am here about to bug the fuck out with none other than my esteemed colleague, Taylor Andre. Taylor, I'm about to introduce you, but first, I just wanted to give you a huge, huge welcome. How you doing today? I'm well. Right. You were like five, four, three. Was, I was like, wake up with the, oh, never mind. <laughs> you was ready already. So for folks who are getting to know you and don't know you yet, like I know you, Taylor Andre is the host of Wake Up with Taylor Andre, a real estate agent. You can find her at Taylor Made Real Estate, um, a radio personality. Would you consider yourself a radio personality host? We're going to pin that. A philanthropist, an activist, and an advocate for the vulnerable ones of society. And if that list wasn't already long enough, Taylor is also going to be um, our guest today. I have so many things to talk with you about, so many things that my team wanted to talk with you about, but I know that you have a bit of a disclaimer. So do you want to get into that? Yes. Good rising, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Didi already told you, but I- Go ahead. <laughs> And this is not going to be your typical, this is going to be unorthodox conversations leading to universal consciousness. So we don't have to like each other. We don't have to be fond of each other. We don't, but we will respect each other. And we are going to have a dope conversation about anything and everything. So thank you for that, because I feel like a lot of people think that I'm the bad influence or whatever, and I'm just a regular bitch trying to make it in this world. So I appreciate you. You look amazing. How long has it been since I've seen you in person? I think the last time I saw you in person was maybe the event um, in Roxbury with Free. No, 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 no. Wasn't there, wasn't there another event? I'm trying to think of what the other event was. Um, the other event was Rachel Rollins. I think Monica had, yes. And so how long ago was that? Was that a year? It had to have, it might be coming up on two years well it might be a year and a half because prince and monica's son were weren't even walking yet right 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 okay all right so it's been a year and a half since i've seen you in person so we have a lot to catch up on okay. you ready i'm ready all right i'm nervous but all right we're gonna, we're gonna get into it so i'm excited um so what the fuck has been going on with you and i i think one of my first question is what do you like I've known you for uh, almost six years where why do you think that um as as outlandish and as radical as I can be why does our relationship work why wouldn't it why does society believe that two opposing views, and I wouldn't even say that we're two opposing views, but why do we believe as a society that two things that are not, two peas in a pod are what makes, you know, a friendship work? When I, for me, it's like, what do you bring to the table that I don't have? And what do I bring to the table that you don't have that we can make this work? Right. So it's like, you know, a bunch of ingredients put into a pot and all of a sudden you got kachupa and it tastes amazing. Yes, so. come on. You better talk about that kachupa. 
So, um, yeah, because that's something I've always like wondered, you know, there are people that you and I have in common that would be like, you need to be more like Taylor Andre. And I'm like, I just want to be myself and like I could be met there. So. No, um, don't be more like Taylor Andre. Yo, I'm blacklisted everywhere. Like, don't nobody want to fuck with me because I if you don't come in when I call you in, I call you out and I'm OK with that. So and that's what I've known you for. Like when I first met you, I was like, you you were like to me, like, oh my God, I'm never doing anything to piss off this girl. And I wonder if people think the same thing about me as well, whatever, you know. Um, but as I've like learned and listened to you and I've grown alongside of you, I'm like, you really out here talking about the issues, you know what I'm saying? And you're a rabble rouser. I don't know. If that's why people don't like you, but you're you're definitely a rabble rouser and you're into real estate and you're also you have this program, the C plan program. So like why don't we get into it? You're involved in several organizations like the Chica Project, right? And C Plan. Do you want to talk to us about those? Um, because I think along with hosting Wake Up with Taylor Andre, which is what I know you from, right? And running your very successful real estate business, how do you think all those things come together? Um, with your vision for equity and inclusion? So the first thing that I would say is, you know, trying to put together my website was difficult because it's like people have nicknamed me the walking bodega, whether you need me mm -hmm. for real estate or whether you need me for something completely different. If it's not me, it's somebody I know. So let's right. figure it out. And so it was really difficult to pinpoint what it is that I actually do because I quote unquote do everything. But for me, it just makes sense. So it started with radio and trying to understand what was going on. I live in Roxbury, trying to understand okay. what's going on in Roxbury. Like, why are all the streets being dug up? Who the hell is Croc and why do they have a center? Um, nigga, I, that shit's been on Dudley Street forever and I still don't know who the niggas are. <laughs> like, no, like, who is Croc and why do they down to the Croc Center? unaffordable to everyone in the neighborhood? Right. And so it was just like trying to figure all of that out and watching changes take place and developers come in. And it, it was annoying to interview all of these politicians and all these affluent people and not get the answers I was looking for. So I became a real estate answer in order to get the answers that I was looking for that nobody could give me. When it came to Chica Project and helping um, it's like nepotism. For me, the Chica Project was giving an opportunity to Latinas and Black girls, girls of color, an opportunity and a, a leg up towards the ladder of success because no matter how much education you have, no much no matter how much volunteer work you did, you could have a resume 17 pages long, right. but if Huck's nephew comes straight out of high school with no degree and right. Chuck's nephew's looking for a job, you know, Chuck's gonna get that, Chuck's nephew's gonna get that job before all 17 of your pages. And so being a part of Chica Project, um, so I have stepped down from my role as social media director with Chica Project and and now the young women are leading that effort on their of course. own consultant and you know con uh, I don't think I can call myself a board member but I'm on that level of um the organization you in leadership Nick. you in leadership <laughs> yes um as far as C plan is concerned so Julia Mahia who is currently the city councilor at large for Boston called me 
on like some whim, like, hey, I'm just trying to call the parents of Edward Brook. My both my children attend Edward Brook Charter School. My son went from uh, BPS to parochial, which is um, Catholic school. The Catholic schools. The ca- yeah. the Catholico. Okay, all right. right. Yes. So Pope John Paul. There's more demons in Catholic school than there were in BPS. So we went from BPS to Catholic school to charter school and all three of the systems is fucked up. And so she called me and she was like, do you think you would be interested? I was like, hell yeah. And from that day, I've been in Julius Fona's Oprah Taylor. And it just clicked and made sense because the teachers have a union, the bus drivers have a union, the fucking bus monitors have a union. But yet there is no unified voice to say that what we want, what we deserve and the teachers and the educators and everyone who's in that educational space is a public servant to me. Like you literally take money out of my pocket yet don't do what the fuck I need you to do. Where does that, where else in commodity and and, and what's it called? Where else in commerce do, do you pay somebody for a service and they don't give you what you ask them for and you can't get a refund? Bank of America. (laughs) <laughs> okay you're right them. you're right i hate them so much <laughs> don't close my account <laughs> thank you okay go ahead go, where else in commerce other than bank of america yes yes maybe santander you know yes <laughs> um but it, for me it just it it just made sense that all of these things that i do is just who i am and i shouldn't have to separate or compartment mentalize myself in order to make somebody else feel good and comfortable when they come to my website like right. it, so that kind of gives you like a rundown of what it is I do um and why I do it like I'm just passionate about injustice period no I appreciate you saying that and I know that um one of the comments um because we're, we're live on Facebook and this will be streamed later on YouTube and Apple and Apple podcasts, all that shit. I don't even promote myself. I have almost 65 episodes and niggas, I guess, don't know. It's fine. Um, Nico said they destroyed Dudley Square with gentrification. And I think about something that just happened that like broke my heart. The That beautiful mural of Nelson Mandela is just gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm just, you know, like always driving by looking at the colors that say Roxbury and how it's so loud and proud and be boy and be girl and be they like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and to just know, like, it's bullshit. Um, and then when I think of how it's, how it's further complicated is, you know, the lies that we were told about the Harriet Tubman house, how, oh no, we're having community conversations and the community wasn't involved at all because if the community was involved, you would know how many people um, the United South End Settlements, the Harriet Tubman house used it and how, like I even shared my story about, I fucking got my GED from the Harriet Tubman house. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, not a lot of people know that. Like, you know, I wouldn't be the person who I am today had that program not been in connection with the city of Boston um, and Boston Public Schools. So I'm just confused as to if it's a historical landmark deemed as such, you know, they always use it when they're looking for funding or whatever for blackness, right? Um, why would you get rid of it? And why would you move it to an inaccessible building in the first place? So let me not get started, but I would love to know your thoughts on that. 
well, two things. First and foremost, you have to look at your politicians because a lot of your politicians had their hand in there. And we don't know where that hand went when it comes to going inside the pocket. So uh, first and foremost, take a look at some of your politicians and some of your city councilors and ask them why <laughs> the Harriet Tubman building is inaccessible because a lot of them had their, um, there's a few that right. are today that are not new that have right. their hand in that. And I like I like how you said that they not knew. It narrows the list down. It narrows the list down. It ain't Ricardo. It ain't Julia. Uh, so, hmm. Yeah, just, you know, ask. All, all you have to do is ask a question. And when people start getting uncomfortable, you know where your answer lies. Second, one of the things that was not publicly announced was, so Cruise Company is building where the Nelson Mandela oh, Memorial was. Cruise company right? is the Cape Verdean American Black development company in the city of Boston, who at this time in 2020, when we have over a billion dollars worth of construction going on in the city of Boston, has received less wins per bid than they did back in the 80s when racism was running throughout rampant crazy. So for them to be getting less money today than they did in the 80s, speaks volumes of what's really happening with the nepotism in construction in the city of Boston. But what they didn't tell people, and it, I kind of fault cruise companies. Um, they don't necessarily have a media. Like, don't tell me they're not at fault. Okay, go ahead. No, cruise company, they're, they're rebuilding the, the mural. The mural is going to be repainted. But nobody knows that because first and foremost, like they, when- Do you think that they could have started with that though? They, yes, they could have. <laughs> they could have been like, excuse us, niggas. Listen, we know something traumatic about to happen, but there's more. We got you. <laughs> they, you know what? Cruise company, call me. I, I'm. You can put me on. They got to call somebody. Not one K Verdian thought of that. Like we should, you know, but there's a separation of powers when it comes to K Verdians. Yeah. Some, some of them do feel like they not this kind of black. They not... <laughs> They they a different kind of black and we're gonna have to hold space for that on a different conversation different one conversation. day. Like a different conversation. But, but I do you know, feel like, like my uncle is how old is so my uncle's like in his fifties, right? And he was told to put white down on the census and on his like school papers and anytime he was he was told as a young boy and not by the grandparents, by like, listen, this is what put your white. You have to put down your white. And this was once upon a time because um, uh, Papua New Guinea was over. So we only got, Cape Verdeans only got independence in 1975. Okay. So, you know, independence was new. And in 1975, when he was like writing his census, they were colonized and under this rule and told to put that they were white. A lot of people don't know the history behind it. Like they just. I, I mean, I understand that, but what has happened is even with um, collectively our skin color being the color that it is and the different shades of Cape Verdeans and then the locale, people love to travel back to Cape Verde. People love to have their family come and get the new opportunities that are here. And it's like, as soon as they get here, they adopt whiteness. They adopt the otherness because they know they, I mean, I would say that Cape Verdeans are very intelligent. They are very aware that that's the best, that's the best method of survival as 
white supremacy's lens, you know, shows all people who migrate here. Um, I just wish that there was more solidarity because the same things that happen in the very close-knit CV community happen in the Black community. And it's often each other, like, you know what I'm saying? So that is something I struggle with. Also being that I'm literally a sliver, one-fourth Cabo Verde. So I just, oh, yeah. I struggle with it. Yeah, Bowdoin Street all day. I struggle with it. And also, I don't really know what to say because whenever I go to a party, it's just not the right time to bring it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a seven-day party with either Conjo or Cachupa. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I just don't know when to bring it up, so... Kind of never, because we never, we never, never want to talk about it. Never going to talk about it. And that's okay. I've, I've learned to deal with it. I've learned to let it be the silent elephant in the room mm. most days. So I'm glad that you said that. And I really hope that people who are watching um, take heed to that. I had, I had not considered that it would be rebuilt. Um, but the Harriet Tubman house is something I've really been um, helping um, Harriet's dream with and you know I think that the young ladies down there are doing amazing things and I I want to support them in everything like I really do so mm -hmm. so real estate oh gosh I thought that real estate like when black people get involved in real estate they out here like flipping houses they buying houses cash they flipping them this and the third what made you want to get involved in real estate it, and do it, you have a house it was not having the understanding of like it was anytime I interviewed anyone it was just like oh it's cycles I was like okay what about the cycles and I didn't understand the the real estate cycle of yes all of these white people are about to come into the city of Boston in right. 20 years and they're going to be running back to the suburbs and so like why fight it like let's go buy a house in the suburbs right <laughs> but not right. even that dd like let's be intentional and how about me you and the rest of our other three friends buy these houses on a cul-de-sac because if you go anywhere outside of the city of boston you are going to see for sale for sale for sale for sale multiple houses right next to each other why not be intentional get you and your friends and y'all buy the houses outside in the suburbs so that sounds great to me. And I know that there are several um, Black women-led initiatives like that. There's Buy the Block. Um, there's uh, One Hood at a Time. Like, you know, all these dope organizations. I would love to see something like that in Boston. And when we talk about real estate um, to communities that we come from, right? Like, what is the disconnect? How can people understand that? Like, come on, let's take advantage of these programs because if they want to move us out of Boston, then they're going to have to pay us. You're going to have to look at the one mortgage. You're going to have to look at the one plus. You're going to have to look at all of these things. And if you plan on staying in Boston, you plan on being a resident, then take all their money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do we have the, you know, because I just went to the class you referred me to and I got my certificate. So we'll see if Mr. and Ms. Frazier, um, put some money down on a house if y'all are watching and you want to gift me a wedding gift throw some d's on it thank you for <laughs> thank you <laughs> like, um so yeah i wonder about that like how like what is the barrier you think um for folks that come from our community you know i'm from 
uh, Roxbury, but I also lived in Four Corners. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've also lived in Mattapan. I've lived in High Park. I've lived in Roslindale. So what does it look like for folks like us who, like, what are the barriers? Like, why do you think we not buying houses? I know it's money. But if I'm with, if, if is it education? And I hate saying it's education because niggas are busy. Like we don't have time to be like, I didn't even have time. I was like, I was working and doing like my curriculum for a class while I was taking the Maha class. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so what, what do you think it is? So personally for me, hold on. Let me like shamelessly plug, right? So Go ahead, shamelessly my- plug. Oh, bitch had a book. We forgot. I didn't forget. We got... No, I got it. It's downstairs um, on, I was going to say on my coffee table, but that's a lie. It's actually on the side table, but okay, go ahead. So Finally Home is a book for people preparing for first-time home ownership. And so for me- Is uh, it on Jeff Bezos' internet? It's available on Amazon. It sure is, but uh, Amazon like to rape me financially. So you could just go to taylorandre.com, T-A-Y. Taylorandre.com. All right. If someone can just put that in the comments, that would be great. Yes. I I want all my monies and I don't want to share with Jeff Bezos because he just became a billionaire times 200. Times 2000. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? No, that's valid. That's valid. I had to stretch out my legs. Sorry, y'all. This is ghetto as hell, but Egypt is upstairs and I had to watch out for her. So you're good. You're good. So in the, one of the first chapters in the book is covered. I really how, like how you open to ch- in Ecclesiastes chapter yeah, one. Exactly. But real talk though, but real talk. So okay. it's history of discrimination and the truth. And so um, I, w- I would just like to read this part. History seldom speaks of victim struggles, resilience, or triumphs, but boasts about their accomplishments, even when the victory was the sum of another's efforts. The colonizer that would proudly wear his or her red MAGA hat often uses the phrase, pull yourself up by the bootstraps while really ever knowing the truth behind how people of color couldn't even buy the boots or the straps to pull up. There are thousands of books on housing discrimination, the laws that created systematic oppressive practices, and still in 2020, urban communities are suffering from lack of proper education, misguided information, and blatant lies. And that is the, the first chapter of Finally Home, which is about six pages of the history of racial discrimination between uh, Indians, Asians, Black, Latinos. And the last sentence says in 2020, Bank of America, along with other banks, are still being sued for billions of dollars for discrimination in 2020. And, and I haven't even read your book yet. And I knew something was up with Bank of America. <laughs> There's been something that we're banging in America for years. There's documentaries on it. Um, for me, I would say the biggest, it, it's misinformation. It's lack of information. It's lack of resources and it's blatant lies. It's the fact that we, first and foremost, it starts at home, right? But if your mother's on section eight, and your mother is hiding money in a coffee can under the mattress, doesn't have a relationship with the bank because once upon a time, and it's also in the book, once upon a time um, when the Black Bankers Association and Blacks had their money in the bank and the association lost their accreditation because the government took it from them, not that they did anything wrong, but because they were Black and they had too much fucking money. They shut down the bank and everybody lost their money from the bank. We never understood why grandma don't like going to the bank, but not understanding because they lost their all their money. Everything they put in the bank lost. No FDIC, no insurance, no you'll get that back. 
just taken because you're black and no other reason. And so first and foremost, uh, my mentor has this, this saying about um, a mother and daughter were cooking and the mother cut the butt off of a ham. And she was like, mommy, why do you cut the butt off the ham? And she was like, I don't know, grandma always did it. Let's call her. And they called grandma and she was like, uh, ma, uh, your granddaughter just asked me why I cut the butter off the ham, but I just watched you do it. So I did it. But why'd you ever cut the butter off the ham? She was like, baby, the pan was too little. And we've been over here doing the same shit over and over again, because, and, and how many people can't call grandma and ask grandma why she was doing the same shit over and like, and I learned from you and I'm doing the same shit. Uh, grand, a lot of grandparents aren't here. They're now ancestors that ain't giving direct answers, but they're showing pat they're showing signs and we're not following the path. And so it's the lack of information. And that was the the why I wrote the book. And so in 70 pages, you're going like all that fear, all of that anxiety, all of that know-how that you were not taught at your journey dinner time conversation is in the book. Everything that you should have known about credit. And there's a part of the book I talk about like habitual and generational fuck that shit like how many people have shit on their credit and it's like yo fuck that shit like <laughs> it's not stopping me from living in my house it's not stopping me from eating food and it's not stopping me from getting a job fuck that shit like I'm not paying them and I'm not even going to acknowledge that they want me to pay them I'm gonna ignore the phone calls like these this is generational and habitual things that you know don't answer the phone it's not don't answer the phone because you know, we have stalkers is don't answer the phone because I ain't got the money to pay them. Instead and I need the seven years to come quick so I can drop yes. off my credit. So let's talk about that, DD, like off air, because that shit don't have to be on your credit. The only thing that have to stay on your credit is, is the crazy ass um, Department of Education student loans. Everything else does not have to be on your credit. And we can talk. So about, we, like, we will talk because I feel like I've been hurting myself. Um, there's stuff that's on there that is um has been paid off but i paid it off through a collection agency and my credit score is maybe no 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 no. it was just before but they're coming back whatever and i'm like damn now i gotta i've moved so many times gotta find this paperwork or go through bank statements to show i've been paying off this law firm forever you know it's just my annoyance is at an all-time high prove our relationship where did you see me sign on the dotted line that i owed you anything please prove that if right. You it in 45 days, take it off my credit. Right. So, okay. and a lot of we don't know that. We have no idea. So, all this shit that Trump's doing, as far as like bankruptcies are concerned, we over here talking about I, I, I auntie filed for bankruptcy, and white people use that shit as a start over. That's a reset button, bitch. Reset. That's Nintendo. Right. right. But for us, we like you can't reset it. You know, we you can't file bankruptcy. Ooh, everybody gonna talk about me. I can't, I can't mix my my Nikes with my Adidas. Like we'd be so worried about the shit that don't even matter and focus on dumb shit. So aside from not having the proper information, we're giving misinformation. Um, there definitely are barriers. I just recently posted about how uh, when all of the pictures in the house in a Florida home got appraised for $335,000. And when they switched out the pictures of all white family, the appraisal came back at like 469. And so there are definitely barriers when it comes to black and brown people or just indigenous black folks, period. I'm sick of black and brown. Like y'all niggas is black. You have melanin, you're black. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's being lied to, being misinformed, and just outright not having the education. Because when you take a look at the Jewish community, when 
they send their children to school, they're sending their kids to school not to learn ABCs, one, two, threes. Them motherfuckers is learning how to balance a checkbook, how to you know, pay off a mortgage in 15 years, how to marry the right stock. Like when they go to school, they go to school. On, and when they come out of school, they're ready for life and everything that life can throw at you. But I think that that's also not just Jewish people. I think it's white people in general. I think, you know, we were at the beach the other day and we were having a conversation about credit. And, you know, um, I won't say, you know, who all I was with because I just don't want to like spread anyone else's business. But for me, what I learned about credit <clears throat> is the utilization. I always thought that if I had the cash, then credit didn't matter. I was like, but white people love credit and white creditors love credit because it shows that you know how to finesse money. You know how to move shit around. And there was this white dude. I thought he was stealing some other white lady's scuba gear. And so I was like, uh, did you lose something? I was like, I don't even know why I'm standing up for this white lady. I, I want to take it back or whatever. And um, he was like, yeah, like I uh, put my sandals underneath my girlfriend's stuff and now I don't see them. I was like, but you have sandals on. And he was like, yeah, no, these are my scuba shoes. But like, I was like, oh, okay. I was just checking to see if he was thieving or whatever. Cause the equipment looked expensive. So long story short, he was like, yeah, I don't mean to pry. I was listening to your conversation. I was like, yeah. So let me ask you, I said, how long, I said, you know, whether you are class poor or not, whether you come from a one parent home, did your parents put you as an authorized signer on their credit card when you were a teenager? He was like, absolutely. And I, and he says, and I even have a different class privilege than my girlfriend. She comes from money. I don't, but my mother was very certain because she came from money and then we got poor. And so he was just talking about the complexity about how white people move. And so he was like, yeah, no, I come from a single family. I said, it, but it don't matter because you have an aunt, you have an uncle, you have grandparents. Somebody owned a home in your house, in your family line. Someone was like, y'all can stay here. Someone, you're like, you know what I'm saying? It's very few white people that end up in the system. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because unless they so choose to. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, no, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. This motherfucker with scuba gear was like, you're absolutely right. And I was like, I want scuba gear. I don't even know how to fucking scuba dive and I want it now. <laughs> Should have made him pay it for it. But um, no, I really appreciate that whole framing. Um, we need to do a different conversation about credit because I feel like that's something that's very daunting to everyone. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So something else I wanted to ask you was, um, so how I came to know you is your show, Waking Up with Taylor Andre. You say that it's all about unorthodox conversations leading to universal consciousness. And you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I stepped away from the church many years ago. So I wanted to know what does universal consciousness mean to you? I see I see your, your background and I just want to know what these chakras is aligned with. <laughs> so uh, love and light is what my chakras are aligned with. But uh, for me... Um unorthodox conversations leading to universal consciousness. And a lot of the conversations that I was having 10 years ago, Didi, like was off the Richter, like this bitch is tapped type shit. And it's crazy that all of a sudden, like there's Were so you many talking about aliens? People. Yeah, I was, of course I was talking about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Underground, you know, I was talking about uh, the, the spaceships and, you know- um, That's what I'm talking about now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The the shit that um, the United States government 
conducting time travel and astral projection. Yeah, that's the shit I was talking about. And people are like, yo, this bitch is absolutely batshit crazy. And now in 2020, it's like, oh, she wasn't crazy. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, it, I was trying to kind of like tiptoe people into, we're about to get into some crazy, but at the end of the conversation, we're all universally going to have this understanding that we are all one and there's a lot of shit that we don't understand, but just because you don't, you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not real. Right. Um, and I read a long time ago that in India, there was a research study that was conducted where there were these healers or these like prayers or people who meditated and they were outside of a city holding hands. And I think it was like for an hour, like they held hands and meditated for an hour. And there was like a peace and a calm over the city that lasted weeks. Like violence was down, you know, crime was down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why the fuck are we not doing this? If, if we have this science that proved this, why are we not doing this on a regular basis often? And so it kind of like, for me, I completely understood at that moment, like why when someone's sick, you put them in a circle, hold hands and pray over them. Shout out to right. my Haitians. My Haitians taught me how to pray to God. Jesse, like just <laughs> yell at Jesus. <laughs> right. But it's, it really is. It really is like, like frequencies and alignments and energies, like all that shit matters. And when you when you have that type of understanding and then you go to like a major sports event and you right. feel like this energy when people are excited for a touchdown, if you were to take that same, same energy and say like, peace, no war, healing, we could do some amazing things as humans in transforming the lives around us. Thank you for that. I appreciate it because <clears throat> I I am definitely of the belief that we are all <clears throat> we're all just beings beings experiencing each other's energy, you know. So I appreciate that analysis. Um, and how long did it take you to get there? Like, and like, has that I'm developed still, over the years? No, I'm still not there at all. Are you about to do Kundalini yoga or some shit? Like, what's? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I might be past that, but I okay. like. <laughs> I'm still not levitating yet. Like once I levitate and like light emits from my head, you know. Or your ass, whatever. Either one. Either one. No, I appreciate that whole holistically because I don't know much about other people's thoughts when it, when we talk about consciousness. So like, you know, I'm part of this black consciousness group and I'm very lost all the time because they're talking about astral projection and, and all this stuff. So I, I really just appreciate you explaining it to me as as it pertains to you. So thank you for that. And you know what? This next generation of young people are absolutely amazing. My daughters. My How old are your kids? They're like 17, 15. And you just had a baby. I don't know why you did that. But let's you not, just had a baby. Let's, just, let's not talk about it. <laughs> we're not going to talk about baby rain because <laughs> he's. That yeah. baby not even a baby no more. Oh, my, it's, a, it's a baby. It's a baby. He was never a baby. He came out a grown man in a baby body. And he's, he believes that. Um, I have a 17-year-old. I have a 15-year-old. I have a two-year-old. My 15-year-old is completely in tuned. But she was in tuned ever since she was little. Like, 
you know, when she was little, she was like, mommy, are you sick? Let me heal you. And I was scared. Like at that time, 15 years ago, I was like, what do you mean heal me? Like, she was like, when, when I was in heaven with God, I asked him, could you be my mom? And I was like, okay. (laughs) But she has always, like, she's always been on a different frequency and on another level. And she Mm. cast out projects on a regular basis. And, you know, certain my like certain ones of my friends she's like I can't be around that person like her their energy is too low like that's not the vibe for me that's not the way for me I'm an empath and being around other people with these type of energies make me feel depressed can you please keep your friend over there and so you know I had to learn how to respect that um she is Didi when I tell you like I I haven't seen your kids since that day at Roxanne's house no I lie. It was um, you and me. We had on the same blazer, if I'm not mistaken. If we had on a, a light pink blazer at some Latino party or whatever, like I think it was like for, it wasn't for Telemundo, El Mundo or something like. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. But it was um, in South Boston, and your your kids are there, and it was very nice. And and that was the last time I seen your babies. Yeah, and they're they're not even babies no more. They're like adults. They're whole adults that think that they can parent me like that's where mm. we in life and I was trying to find a picture but they're teenagers and they no longer like I can't like take a picture for mommy they're like no we're not dressed we're not in the mood. <laughs> like we hate it here <laughs> <laughs> and so um how has mothering um in addition to your, your Jane of all trades like uh how has mothering sat with you like have you do you feel like it's just one other task that you've been able to uh, maneuver in or like I, I struggle with mothering a lot I'm a great mom a lot of people tell me but I struggle with it so much mm. so I struggle with being in spaces and having opportunities for my children that they don't want access to. And so while there are other children out here that wish that they could get close to Ayanna Presley or uh, Julia Mejia or Marty Walsh, like just to get next to them, let alone to actually have a conversation and have like a mentorship. My kids are like, do we have to go? Right. I don't, like, don't want to go. I'm like, this is a great opportunity. Like you can put it on your resume for what? I don't even want to go to college. Like it's, it's annoying because it's like, I am putting you on a path that I wish somebody put me on mm-hmm. and you have absolutely no respect for it. You completely disregard it. And okay, fine. Where your friends at? Cause your, their friends love me. Um, <laughs> I'm a young mom. I gave birth to my son at 20 and I had my daughter at 22. And so, you know, even though it's not a teenage mom, I was still a fucking kid, like mentally, I was a kid, emotionally, I was still a kid. I I did not, I wasn't grown. And so we kind of grew up together, if I can be honest. Right. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So I really haven't, I I really don't feel like I was a parent per se, but I'm the eldest of six. So my mom has five, my dad has one. I'm the eldest of all six of us. And so I've always been the caretaker. So it just felt like some more brothers and sisters. Like my, I was 12 when my youngest brother was born. Right, okay. That's my baby, that's my heart. And 
having Anari and Asaria was more so like, oh, more siblings. And so I kind of raised them and that shit's kicking me in the ass today because I have two fucking teenagers. I think that they could talk to me like we cool like that. Like I won't punch them in their fucking throat. Like it's annoying. Yikes. I wish I would have had like, <laughs> I wish I could put my foot down. It was like, nah, I'm the mom. And now, as right. now, I'm like, um, I have to remind them that you know I did give birth to you, right? Like, right. I'm not one of your little friends. It's like they, it's like they're their own people, which they always were. But it's like, was I ready for this challenge? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and that that was that's what I struggle with even today. I struggle with that on multiple levels because um, I do understand and acknowledge that. I am here to guide you. Like as your parent, I am not here to tell you what to do and how to conduct yourself. Your soul came here for a purpose. And all my purpose is to make sure that your soul completes whatever that your soul's purpose is. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to lead you on this path and guide you, but it is I am not a dictator and nor is this relationship a dictatorship. And that's something that I don't feel like my parents, my grandparents are aunts and uncles understood it was like no I'm their adult you listen to me you do what I'm told you're told but you never ask me what I'm here for and what right. I'm with mm. baby Rain and his like Didi this motherfucker came here for a reason I don't know what this reason is but he is strong on every like his strength physical is strong his mental is strong his emotional is strong and he's just I don't know what his soul came here to do but it's fierce and my prayer is like god give me the patience to be the mother that i need to be for him so he can be the man you sent him to be and so i really struggle with that and i struggle with being an 80s baby growing up in the 90s you know where calling somebody a faggot was like yo that's so gay like that that's nothing. And then to have a social justice warrior in my house, that's like, listen, if they want to be referred to as she respect her enough to call her she and I'm like, the babies are teaching everybody. But, I'm like, but it's a boy mm. with boy clothes and a boy haircut. Like, what do you mean she? And she, my daughter don't play those, none of those games. Right. None of those and I, Didi, I slipped up the other day, right? So I was watching um, Queen and Slim. Okay. And for, there was a transgendered woman. Who, I, I, I get this all wrong all the time, but I'm trying. So there was a, a, a man who had a sex change and became a woman and is a beautiful woman, but sat in the lap of the dude from Onyx. And I was like, yo, I don't think anybody understands how huge this is. Like as a baby growing up in the 90s, ain't no niggas having no transvestites sitting on their lap. Like, oh, nigga, you gay type shit. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you like, are you sure that that's who you think it is? Like, yeah, it was um, a show that's on Netflix. That's the girl is from a show from Netflix. And I, I, I slipped up and I was just like, are you sure uh, it's the right person? And that, like, you called her an it. Right. What, like, how disrespectful can you be? And, like, I get scolded for that. I'm so petrified to say the wrong things around her, but 
Like I am trying, I am being mindful. And I want to say like right now, that's probably the most difficult thing in my, my parenthood is making sure that I don't sever a very important relationship with my child over something that I don't completely understand. Right. Okay. No, that's tough with parenting. I know that when I started off, um, uh, allowing Egypt to develop their own gender expression without me having to be their constant boy and reminder as to what the doctor said their gender should be. A lot of people didn't understand that. A lot of people hated it. My kid's father wasn't a fan. I mean, a lot of people hated it. And I was like, you know, um, even, you know, my grandmother and I sort of argued about it a, a little bit because Egypt's middle name in, in Igbo means king. And um, a lot of people by family were like, why you do that to that girl? And I was like, you know, it's very interesting. I didn't have a choice and I didn't grow up in a world where the choice would have been acceptable had I chosen to be the, the gender expression that I am now. Um, had I decided to align myself with what I know to be true. There's a reason why my, there's a reason why my masculine energy shows up and people call me an alpha bitch and this, that, and the third or whatever, right? It's because yes, I'm very feminine and I have this really, really am amazing connectivity with my masculinity, right? And so I've decided that I don't want to be called anything other than my name because I don't feel like a lady. <laughs> I don't feel like, you know, and, and most people wouldn't even call me a lady, but would still refer to me as a feminine person. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like gender is, is a, is, we know it's a social construct, much like race is. And something that I really struggled with was even the doctors um, would be like, I remember one time we were at Egypt's uh, six month appointment. And I said, you know, um, you know, often at night they'll cry. I said, I don't know if it's for attention or just because they need to be around me. I said, but I feel like I constantly have this baby and I have a very full life. And I was like, and Egypt doesn't want to go to anyone else and they, and so the doctor goes, you said they, do you have more than one child? And I was like, no, I was like, you know, and I gave the entire story about how I am being intentional, intentional about um, setting a different expectation because all the time we use gender around our children as they're little and they grow up. We say, no, that's for boys. Oh, you're such a good boy. Oh, you're mommy's big girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we just reinforce who they're supposed to be without even asking them, like, are you good with this? Um, it wasn't until this year that Egypt was like, I said, yeah, I said, you're my big baby. Come here. You know, I'm giving hugs and kisses. And Egypt's like, I'm not a baby. I'm a girl. And I said, you know what? Fine. Then who am I to fight it? And if the I'm going to keep having these conversations. One, because I need Egypt to be accepting of other people in our family and also in my social sphere. And also, I don't want Egypt to be a trash-ass person that's like you and I, unpacking this shit well into our 30s. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why can't we just start from the baseline of just being like, well, you know what? Different people show up in different ways, even if they present as something else. And you know what? It may not be my job to get the rundown 100% on everything that baby this person is, but I want to... I want to engage people in a way that's meaningful to them, you know, because I want to be engaged meaningfully. So mm -hmm. that's what I think. And I don't mean, y'all want a baby? Y'all want a kid? <laughs> um, I, in my disrespect and in my trash, uh, being a trash ass person, I 
it, it it's it's not intentional like it it really it's not intentional like this shit just popped up in what 2016 2018 and everything i knew as one way is now completely different and i have a teenager telling me how trash i am and so it's it's a lot to but i want to thank you i want to thank you for your vulnerability because i feel like um i feel like in this instance is both and i'll say that i know a lot of um trans folks do watch my show um i will say that i can understand where you're coming from not just because i know you but I was watching watching the Marsha P. Johnson documentary and, you know, they had Sylvia Rivera, they have Marsha P. in there, they have several other people and they're calling each other these names, but yes, and yeah, and that was in the 70s, the 80s and 90s, right? But there does come a point where we're like, okay, we have this new information. We're constantly data input, right? You know? So yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm glad you have that baby in the house to be an anchor. I really am because... You have some amazing friends that are also exploring gender and their children are exploring gender. So, um, and I'm glad your children are exploring gender and like what it means to support other people in their journeys. So yeah, that's dope. You give that baby a big hug for me. Jasmine, they're giving you hugs. Yes, Jasmine, hold your mama accountable. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, she's, um, I look, I, I respect, of course, like I love her cause she's my daughter, but I have so much respect for her as a human being because mm. just, if this was another lifetime, she would be, hi, 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 I'm, I'm live. Well, that baby at the instance, like, come on, sage yourself. <laughs> sage it, that's what it is. Sage yourself. <laughs> um, Bubs, can you take him upstairs for me please? Um, she just, she's an amazing human being. She's more than just an anchor. Like it's like accountability is, yes, please. And the fire truck. Thank you. Can we have a whole conversation about how to raise a toddler? Oh no, I don't ever want to have that conversation because I'm failing at it miserably. I promise you. Right now, Egypt is watching Paw Patrol which I know is some racist cop propaganda, um, but I, I feel like it's the only thing that keeps Egypt quiet, you know? Um, I wanted to talk about something that I totally skipped over, your C-plan, like what does that stand for? And um, being that a lot of your work is based in education, whether it's real estate education, your activism is based on educating other folks. Um, can you tell me and like my following, like why this work is so important in helping build strong communities? Are you eating a bear claw? Absolutely not. Cinnamon raisin, um, cinnamon raisin bread with butter. I would have respected you more for the bear claw. <laughs> but if I have pizza with pineapple on it, huh? I don't even want to speak to you anymore. Which <laughs> is nasty, by the way. But it's you know. so gross. I don't even know why people do this to themselves. So, uh, transparency. I also have a GED. Hi, DD. Um, Hi, I did not know. Look at us, bad bitches. You had one either. But I never used to tell people, and now it's so funny because people call me, like in my in my friend circle, people I've dated. Um, sometimes even some family members have been like, "All right, college grad," and I'm like, "Sip your tea." <laughs> wow, that escalated quickly. I'm in college now. 
but it's taken quite a long time since the first time I ever entered college. The first year I ever entered college was 2004. What year are we in now? 20. I'm an old bitch. Don't nobody need to know none of that. It's too much. And I'm still not finished with my degree yet. It's my hope as soon as my taxes get turned in that I could use that to enroll in school. But I mean, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, And thank you for sharing that you also have your GED as well. And I used to be embarrassed about that. Same. My mother had a GED too. Coming from, I'm just, I've reached a certain, I'm a 70 year old woman at this point where I don't (laughs) know about what comes out of my mouth or how you feel about what came out of my mouth. I'm just at that point where I understand why elders just say things like I'm here for a limited amount of time. I'm not going to make myself feel uncomfortable to make you comfortable. Like it, no, I'm good. You're going to have to control your own feelings and emotions because this is me controlling mine. Um, I... First and foremost, a lot of people don't know. So I'm a transplant in the sense of my father's family inside is from Boston. So whenever I was visiting my dad or visiting my cousins or uh, weekends or school vacations or summers or Christmas or whatever have you, at any point in time that I could get away from, you know, this single, this two family, uh, this split, I was with my dad. And so... I grew up in Four Corners and on Fenelon Street, right by the basketball court. I'm on Fenelon Street. All right. And uh, attended school in Plymouth with my mom. And so I was born in Boston, uh, St. Margaret's, because my mother was shipped away. I was born in St. Margaret's. You were? It's now St. Elizabeth's, right? So yes, yes. yes. So my mom was like one of those teen moms that got kicked out of school and had to go have her kid at my mom was 16 when she had me <laughs> this is so you funny. already know you already know um but my my mom ended up finishing high school at 17 and I was born and I was at her graduation I was like one month old I think she was like yeah me too I have a picture oh my god shut up Taylor we're like we might be related we just don't know it we might be <laughs> but don't know it um, but I, I attended school in Duxbury, which is like the richest tax zip. I was about to say, yeah, that and Sherborne. Yeah. So I attended school in Duxbury. My family are the, like the first Cape Verdean family that lived in Duxbury. Uh, we had, uh, acres of farmland and we also used to sell our cranberries to Ocean Spray. And so like my family came on the boat, you know, built the house from the ground up built entrepreneurship. Um, and so living in Duxbury, my mom then moved to Plymouth. And so I was in Plymouth public schools in Duxbury public schools, but I was always sitting in the back. I have horrible eyesight. I have contacts in now, but I've needed glasses since the day I was born. Um, I had to sit in the back any, like anytime I remember anything about school, I would raise my hand and ask questions. They would never call on me. I had a million and one questions. First of all, I couldn't see the fucking board. Aside from not seeing the board, I didn't understand what was going on. The class was moving too fast. I'm dyslexic. And the teachers sat my mother down. So in third grade, my mother has me reading to her and I'm like in the knives. She was like, bitch, what the fuck is a knife? (laughs) Your mom was like, "Mm." 
Let's try again, babe. Um, <laughs> what does that say? Knife. The K is silent. What does it say? Knife. What do you mean the K is silent? Well, I'm in third grade. And you know, we all know that prison is built on if you're not reading by the third grade, then eh, oh, well, your ass is going to jail. I was going to go to jail because my mother went up to the school was like, why is my third grader pronouncing knives as knives? They were like, oh, we thought you wanted her to learn Ebonics. And so wow. it wasn't until I got into C-Plan and started making certain movements and was in certain spaces and was learning about African-American vernacular, which is a real thing in the education system where right. teachers will allow students to speak African-American vernacular. Like this, to, fi to find out that, that that's a real fucking thing, Didi. Like that shit. Well, because it's a real language. The same way that Krialu is a real language. It doesn't, you know, just because it wasn't the normative, whatever people had and what they developed, just like whatever Black folks had and they developed, I see what you're saying, that it might make us at a disadvantage. But I think it makes us actually smarter because white people have been trying to emulate it forever. I can't be in a meeting without someone being like, you know what I'm saying, girlfriend? <laughs> Bitch, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> when you say it like that, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you know what? And uh, I think I came across uh, that same situation today and yesterday and the day before. So I, I do understand, but for me, as an adult thinking about the history of my education, it was like, great, let me speak African-American vernacular, but at least also show me the correct way of doing it. So let me have my slang, but let me understand that it's slang and this is the right way of doing it. Because uh, knife is not an African-American vernacular. That's you being lazy. And that's, no not, that's not even an AAV. Like, <laughs> yo, y'all got them knives for sale? Like no one, no one's saying that, Taylor. No one is saying that. So for me, that's why education became so important because I struggled in high school. You know, when I had a late start and not just a late start, like teachers today aren't even trained to identify dyslexia and right. being 37 years old, when I was in school, it wasn't even thought of. It wasn't even a conversation. So I, I was just like behind, 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 ended up just saying, fuck this shit and got my GED. Asar, when Asaria was born, that is what, like, sh her energy transformed me as a human. Like, I not only went out and got my GED, I went to Jefferson State Community College, I got my associate's degree in business, and then from there, like, I wanted to be the woman that she would be proud of. And so, I then went to, um, so long story short, I may have had a breakup with their daddy and left the state of Massachusetts and went back to Birmingham, Alabama. And so I went to the finest liberal arts school south of the Mississippi River, Birmingham Southern, okay. and got um, was there for political science where I, I was wondering where the politics came in at. Uh, listen, they told me, so I went to school for business, but all my business teachers we're making 60 to $80,000. I'm like, yo, do you own a business? And they're like, oh no, I just teach it. Right. <laughs> I'm confused. Right. I sat down with my counselor and they were like, listen, if you, you want to graduate, if you get a political science degree, you can graduate today. I said, oh, politics, here we come. And right. so based on the classes that I was into, um, 
apparently politics was down my route, but the, for me, the theory of politics and the practice of politics are two different things. So the theory of politics is like, yeah, so let's, you know, look at this information and make an informed decision. And the practice of politics is like, what's good for the goose is good for the gander and y'all motherfuckers can get the crumbs. Right. So, and I kind of feel similar to um, real estate because the, when you go for your real estate license there, you don't use nothing that you learned in the class in real life. And the whole class is based on the shit that you supposed to be implementing in the real world. And it's not. Right. Okay. So I want to ask you, because you brought up political science and, you know, you brought up like how you stumbled upon it. So as someone who's um, uh, very much apropos to critiquing politicians, what do you think is people's biggest fear? Um, I know that I'm very outspoken when it comes to any election, but in particularly U.S. elections. And Um, I have very real beef with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, as much as I do with Donald Trump. And I feel like whenever I post a critique, people literally feel like defeated. Like I am the person, it's not Kamala Harris and it's not Joe Biden and certainly not Donald Trump that they need to be worried about. It's Didi Delgado's opinion. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I just like, what is it about people like who say, you know, um, you should get out there and vote. And I'm like, okay, well, what are my choices? Because these are my two choices as so y'all say. So I'm gonna go do my own thing. Well, any not voting is a vote for Trump. If you vote for Hillary and write somebody else's name in, it's a vote for Trump. Not, you know, and I'm just like, um, not voting correctly. If I decide to vote independent, it's a vote for Trump. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I really don't understand people's obsession and fixation. They say it's dictatorship, but I'm not really certain what replacing one rapist with the other and also a cop is going to do um, for a dictatorship? Like, is it going to absolve the dictatorship or is it just going to make it softer? Soft porn dictatorship. It's vanilla, vanilla dictatorship. You know what I'm saying? And so I know that people hate it. Don't follow me, but I want to know, like, what is it about Black femmes and Black women that people literally be like, I come to you for my hot takes about pineapple on pizza, but I draw the line about how your livelihood could be impacted by this election. Uh, So I started my radio show back up today on Spark FM. Shout out to Danielle Hot Sauce. Um, Yes. I spoke about that today for the first time. And so I have over 400 shows on YouTube. And one of those shows buried down in the archives is a show where I said that I was not voting for Hillary because, you know, as a conspiracy theorist, there are too many people that are like, yo, you know, they said X, Y, Z about Hillary and now this motherfucker's dead. You know, there's millions of people in Haiti she stole money from there's like there's a long list of shit that the Clintons have done you know aside from the Jeffrey Epstein's you know molestation island and you know your name being on the uh log list more than seven times and you didn't go but Monica also didn't suck your dick so I'm a little confused on what exactly and so it, it was it was a comment that was like, so I wonder your feelings now since you didn't vote for Hillary. And 
it's really difficult. And I know a lot of people are going to unfollow and dislike for what I'm saying, but just because I don't like Biden and I don't like Kamala doesn't mean I like Trump. It's like, just because I believe Black Lives Matter doesn't mean your white, fly, your white life means nothing. Like it's, it's not either or to me. And so I've, you and I spoke briefly um, off air, but I have no problem writing myself in. I, am, I understand that my grandmother and my great grandmother fought for me to vote and fought voter suppression so I can vote. So yes, I'm going to the polls and I'm going to write my own self in because somebody gave me the ability to do so. But I'm also going to acknowledge that there are too many fucking public videos of Joe Biden touching on little ass kids, whispering in their ear, massaging their shoulders, holding their hands. That shit is nasty to me. Like that's absolutely fucking disgusting to any man who does not let their daughter sit on their lap because of Chester the molester. And we learned not to let little girls sit on people's lap. He looks like the type to sit in the White House in the behind the desk with a little girl on his fucking lap. Like, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay. And I also spoke on the fact that Kamala Harris, is she a black woman? Absolutely. I don't take away from her blackness, but can we please acknowledge the fact that her mother is red dot Indian, not Indian from American Indian, but Indian from India. They have a caste system. There's over 400 different castes that you can fall into. And if you're not on the top of the rung, you're on the bottom of the rung or somewhere in between. And so her mother came here to America to give her daughter the American dream. And what does the American dream come from? We just talked about this when it came to Cape Verde and you get over here and you get your white man. My kids are the darkest kids of all of my cousins because every single last one of my Cape Verdean cousins is married to a white man, a white woman, and procreated with whiteness. Right. So right. when people say Kamala Harris doesn't like black men, show me proof. I'm like, mm, let's take a look at the caste system. The lighter you are, the more, the higher you up are, the higher you are up on the caste system. She married a white man. She doesn't have any black brothers, any black cousins. She doesn't have that proximity of blackness to understand what a black man goes through in America. You don't know how to soothe his pains and make him feel like a king at home because he's treated out like shit outside. Like you don't understand that. But you also locked up a couple thousand of them and then, you know, Ignore she can't even she can't even get the queer vote. I think she's only getting the queer vote by proxy because no one wants Trump. She's locked up trans women in men's jails. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the violence that they have been subjected to because of her decisions to classify them, even though medical professionals um are very much aware of trans rights. Kamala Harris did not give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so all I'm saying is my concern is that in order to not to not lose the democracy i would need to lose my voice i would need to like never speak ill or never critique i could never ask questions and i just told um the first year um i always fuck it up the first year union program for students entering harvard for their first year 
I was like, question everything. You question your fucking parents. You question your supervisors at work or you try to, you question your coworker about whether or not they really did the work on time or what did they do it right? I was like, but you can't question the United States government. You question whether or not Jada Pinkett Smith was an entanglement and did she have the right to do it? But you can't question your motherfucking government. Y'all have lost yourselves and you've attached whiteness and white supremacy to Donald J. Trump. But that is not... He's literally a symptom. He's not the illness. He he's he's the pimple that came to a head, but he's not what was underneath clogging up the pore. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so it just strikes me as funny. I've literally made a post and told people, delete me. I don't care. I don't come to your page for hot takes. And if I wanted them, I would come to your page for hot takes. Like you don't have to be here for everything nor agree with everything I'm saying. Um, but I do exist in the echo chamber because I feel like it's the safest place for me. Do you have any predictions on this year's elections? I honestly believe that Trump is going to win and not because I want him to win because I don't and I don't, I, I don't like him just because I don't like Biden does not mean I like Trump. Um, but I, I can, if I can be transparent. Um, you can always be transparent. If you can through my window, <laughs> um, I don't want to say I would rather you have me piss on me and tell me it's piss than have you piss on me and tell me it's rain. Um, I just, I just know that, Didi. I think I'm a Republican. What, bitch? I hate the conversation is over. <laughs> What is happening here? Well, I think I'm re- I'm a Republican because of, like, I, yes, I believe that the police should stay in the fucking police station until I call you. You should be there. I believe that I have a Second Amendment, and I be- I believe in my Second Amendment right to bear arms. I, like, I believe fundamentally in the fucked up Constitution that was not written for me or people who look like me, and I feel like. Democrats over the years have overstepped, like they have completely, like habitually, like uh, Charlie Murphy said about Rick James, like habitual- He's a habitual line stepper. Yes, habitual line stepper and encroach on rights more than fucking Republicans do. But I really think Donald is going to win because at the end of the day, we are racist as fuck and you don't have to like anything that comes out of his mouth but there are a lot of people that appreciate his candor there there's a lot of people that appreciate him being an asshole like how many bitches fuck with an asshole like a lot of us fuck with an asshole Mm. treat us like shit that don't do right by us that say they gonna call and don't show up like we we like them motherfuckers they live on a i hate it here but I think he's gonna win because he keep making fucking dumbass fucking promises that people actually believe. Then Biden, the Biden Kamala ticket looks like a Trump ticket, like to a lot mm. of people, the fucking same. And I said this earlier too, and I have a feeling like I'm gonna receive a lot of backlash for it, but I'm okay with that. So. Jeffrey Epstein 
has all of this information. Like this man conducted himself like there was the only person he had to answer to was God. Like there's nobody else on this earth. And you have to wonder with people like uh, um, Bill Clinton on his fly log, who else in the prince, right? In, In America, that doesn't really matter. But globally, when you think about us as a global society and how much the United States plays a role into global commerce, like, I don't care what's on that disc, Didi. The truth is not going to be told. And the truth isn't going to be told because of how many people that fuck, like, our potential president of the United States of America is most likely on that list. And whether he went to the island or or not, like there was some type of entanglement where Trump was like, yeah, he liked the little girls. He liked the ones younger. Like, (laughs) right, right, right. I I really feel like on some level, Pizzagate is a real thing. On some level, these, you know, $25,000, um fake dolls that are being purchased are actually little ass kids being wrapped up in a box like i fundamentally on some level believe in understanding the black magic understanding blood magic understanding ritualistic magic understanding uh sacrificial magic that at some level somebody is engaging in this nonsense Right. It's all tied in and we are not going to know the truth. We're not going to be told the truth. Whatever Giselle, Gazelle, I don't know how to say her name, whatever information she has. Not to be confused with Gazelle Bunchton, but go ahead and guess. Yeah, she she's not. Like that shit's not coming to surface. That's not a popple that pimple that's gonna be popped. Right. That's just a blackhead that's gonna be in there forever. Ew, gross. I'm sorry that I use that analogy. You really surprised me with the Republican shit. But no, I get, I think it's because my hair is always in my face. I have a little breakout. Um, So the question that I have to ask you last, it's a question for all of my guests. It's a two prong question um, because I can never just ask a simple question. Can I? So the first part of it is, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you were like, you know, cause it's been more than an hour. I didn't, it didn't even feel like it. Right. Yeah. Is there anything, you know, my husband making Guyanese food, so I have to eat. Um, is there anything that you feel like uh, we didn't touch upon or that you were like, Oh shit, I've got this to promote. And D um, Dee didn't ask me. And two, who would you like to see on the show? Mm. Who would I like to see on the show? I'm a habitual line stepper. So (laughs) I want to see someone that you publicly do not get along with. Don't even mention the person's name I think that you're thinking about. Yeah. So I'm not thinking about anybody. Okay. (laughs) I I want to see you speak with someone that you would not speak to because of like whatever hiccup in the relationship and to challenge yourself to have an adult conversation with someone who may not be an adult all the time well if my child's father wants to ever be on the show he has no conversation <laughs> that is not who i was talking about well that's not who i was talking about but when as you further explained yourself i was like well there goes that um i thought you were talking about um someone whose name begins with a j <laughs> like, 
Oh gosh. That would be the worst conversation ever. I'd be like, so remember when you said uh, what did you mean by that? Oh gosh. Well, you know what? I challenge you. You, you want me to have someone on my show that I don't like. You should get Mr. on here. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd tune on on two different devices to watch that. You'd tune on and you you'd be like, Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? So what didn't we talk about that I would like? So I want to ask you a question. Do you you want to ask me a question? No one has ever come on here and asked me a question. Wait, glamour shot. <laughs> Screenshot. Um how do you remain so authentically Didi and still like people just want you're like I don't like white women who wear Christian Dior and all these white women are like I wear Christian Dior Didi what do you want me to do and you're like done for Didi bitch like how <laughs> on earth like where how do you utilize okay. white guilt to your benefit because you want to like to call, I don't like to go, I'll let you finish your question go ahead so under Belinda is laughing I didn't even know Belinda was watching <laughs> I love you Belinda so I I do struggle with um and I don't know if it's proximity but as a real estate agent like a hundred percent of my clients look like me and I don't know if it's because I love my community I love my people that I give myself to my people so my people give themselves to me or if it's just like, you know, Taylor, you be saying dumb shit about white people. And so we can't really rock with you and don't feel comfortable going to an open house with you. Like, I just, I want to be able to say what I want to say without having to like tone it down so white people can be attracted to you. Like, oh no, I don't give a fuck about that anymore. Cause I feel like, I mean, if what I was saying was a lie, then that would be one thing, right? And I have, I have, okay, so to go back to your original question about white guilt, I would say that I don't consider it white guilt. When white, when white women specifically do for me, I don't think it's when white guilt. When the white man um, that I'm enamored with or that is often enamored with me gives me money, I don't consider that white guilt. I consider consider it a gift of appreciation tenfold because this vagina has always been a blessing um but when i think of white women and white guilt i think that the white women who are attracted to my brand they actually don't have white guilt i actually don't deal with those women there was someone who i was considering a friend um well just because we connected a lot and um she brought a lot of centering and I, and I can't deal with white women that are like that. I think um, the white women I deal with have a lot more white knowing, right? They are, are acknowledging um, the places where they show up, the places where historically white folks have shown up and in really treacherous ways um, when it comes to black folks, when it comes to all people of color, but specifically in the ways that they have dealt with black people globally. Um, and so I don't know. I don't even, sometimes I don't even know if it works. I had a conversation with a former colleague when I was like, like right when COVID happened, like no one was giving money. Like no, like even my payday Friday ass weren't getting met. And I had all these thoughts inside my head because I disassociate often. Um, I have a lot of mental health issues. <laughs> and I was like, they hate me, don't they? They think I'm scamming, don't they? Even though other people's PayPal links are listed here, somebody somewhere has thrown enough shade on my name that white people are like, 
we're divesting dd we hate you dd go to hell dd and i'm like it's, it's happened hasn't it because there used to be a time when i was really popular back in 2016 2017 that i could do this and say there's a need that needs to be met and i need y'all to meet it and they would do it now it's different now everyone is doing mutual aid and they totally forgot that black people have been asking for mutual aid <laughs> they forgot because they were like they didn't know how to do it this whole time they're like the government is responsible for mutual aid uh, aka reparations um to black people that's not a conversation you want me to give you five dollars i feel like that's not gonna be helpful but these are the same motherfuckers that be chipping into the seattle artist fund same motherfuckers that be sitting here paying somebody's fucking light bill now when black women were always doing this so um I don't know. I can't study white women enough to know what it is. Um, and I wish that I could do it for something bigger. I wish I could do it for land ownership or home ownership, mm -hmm. or I wish I could pay off my car. I wish I could help someone pay off their student loans. I wish I could pay off the $14,000 in student loans I have left. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it hasn't happened that way. White women are actually content with doing the bare minimum. So I know a lot of people see my reach and think that it does something but i actually wanted to do more and i'm not sure if i'm at the level of following yet where i could have something like that happen but thank you for bringing that up mm, well i think you have surpassed levels that you think you haven't reached yet and i think it's absolutely amazing for these women that are in the know um that just found you and are looking to help and I, I do think it it is funny that all of a sudden so she's like oh this is how we get this is how we're helpful but it blew my mind when you I was in done for Didi and they were like who wants a book I was like I want a book and a book came to my doorstep I was like who what, book did you, what book did you get we're just now mailing out the Damon Young and Moya Bailey it's because I didn't have help you know so yo you Didi you're, you're dope I love what you do. I love your energy. And for, you know, for a long time, I didn't even know you spoke Spanish. For a long time. I was hey, like, really? Oh. Even though I was friends with Roxanne Longoria? Okay. Yes. Roxanne's Spanish broken. If you let her tell it, she's like, I don't speak Espanol. <laughs> <laughs> You're Mexican from Texas, Roxanne. You know who you are. Um, I just, I, I appreciate everything that you do, the conversations that you have. And I, I have to say like prior to Asaria kicking me in my ass um, about just having respect and understanding um, uh, the transgendered or like the LB, can you do, one of the things I, I, I would like to ask you and all of your followers, don't ever let these motherfucking pedophiles add a P to that shit. Like you could have every letter of the alphabet. Taylor, nobody is ever going to advocate for pedophiles. Oh. Like that's not even in, what are y'all talking about? I hate that people associate that. Pedophilia is literally a disease and it's, and to me, it's a depravity. That, that whole Alita shit, that's the shit that, you know, when you're talking, I don't, if you're talking to me just now like think with your common sense hat on if no, you're talking no. to me no let me finish if you're talking to me just now about jeffrey epstein and all that shit with donald trump if that's what they were into younger children pedophilia this and the third that would be nowhere near on the lgd lgbtqia plus spectrum that would never even touch it like you know what i'm saying so let's just be clear about that like that's mm -hmm. gross it's it's like yikes 
What is A? Um, for asexual. So people who can have romantic relationships if they choose to, but really don't have to have um, that sort of connection with people in order to be in a relationship. What is plus? So if anything develops, like, you know, so say I don't add in all the letters, like intersex, right? They are a part of LGBTQ communities. If I say someone is queer, a gender queer and fluid, right? That's also part, but there's no GP, you know what I'm saying? There's no NB, non-binary. There's no, we're just adding. So we say plus to make sure that people feel included. That's why I say plus mm. is to make sure people feel included. Like if someone is non-binary, they don't identify as she or he, right? Or they, and, and they're just like, but I want to be included. Pride is also something that belongs to me as well. Then I say, why not? Like, you know what I'm saying? Unless you want to keep saying all these additional letters, we can say this was the movement that started it. Yes, these other individuals have existed since the beginning of time, but this was the movement that really put uh, queer folks on the map, right? And that's why I think that those letters will always remain. Mm -hmm. And even within the queer community, folks can't agree on stuff. So, I mean, I, I want people to walk away from this interview feeling like, okay, like some shit came out, this, that, and a third, but even in our own community, we can't even agree. You have trans people who don't agree that non-binary people are trans. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, we have our own shit to deal with. I don't want y'all to think we have it all figured out all the time. We don't, you know what I'm saying? But thank you so much for being on this episode, the full set with me. Thank you for having me. And you owe me a bracelet. Bye, bitch. <laughs> They're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. I want one. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope y'all have a good night. Let me go get my food. Yes. Hug that baby for me, please. I will. And hug your baby. I'll, I'll Bye, baby. <laughs> Bye.